Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Heidi Bogosian back with us after 10 years as the executive director of the National Lawyers Guild. She is the co-host of the weekly Civil Liberties radio show called Law and Disorder. She received her Juris Doctor's degree from Temple University, where she was the editor-in-chief of the Temple Political and Civil Rights Law Review. She also holds an MS degree from Boston University and a bachelor's degree from Brown University. Heidi, why is it taking you 10 years to get back here? George, it's great to be back with you. Thanks for having me on. A pleasure. Boy, 10 years went by pretty fast, didn't it? Yes, it did. And I've got to say, we're under a lot more surveillance than we were even then. Oh, we were under a microscope these days, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Yeah, I think that basically, uh, if your listeners think back to the events of 9-11, that's when we really saw the beginning of the installation, the ratcheting up of our surveillance state. And I think uh, what most people who uh, are trying to understand their surveillance state think they're, they think that it makes us safer, George. They think that we are going to be more free if the government and its corporate partners are looking out for signs of criminal activity. Right. But what happened at the same time after the events of 9-11 and the Patriot Act, uh, we saw law enforcement shifting to a preemptive role, sort of like the film Minority Report. Uh, looking for acts of terrorism before they happened instead of reacting to crime in the traditional way, which is after it happens. And we also saw the advent of the Internet and then ushering in of smartphones in 2005, Androids a few years later. And with that, um, bringing into our own homes 
the devices that actually do the majority of surveillance, the collection of our data by corporations, the Internet of Things, uh, smart devices, Amazon's Alexa, all of those gadgets that are so enticing and by design addictive have morphed into collecting enormous troves of data about our daily routines, our preferences. And I think that people are under a false sense of security that uh, if a criminal is going to, you know, do something to harm us, FBI, NSA gathering of that data will lead to actionable intelligence. And what they ignore is the very big possibility of data misinterpretation, false positives, innocent people being swept up, uh, vilified Muslim Americans, activists. And so I think that with all the attention now on artificial intelligence and more uh, technological advances, we're seeing kind of a frenzy uh, to enact new laws, to really make up for what the United States has fallen behind uh, when you look at other countries like Europe. We don't really have national privacy laws. So we have a patchwork of new laws that in many aspects may actually restrict our freedoms and gather more information going forward. Heidi, is this the price we pay for the perception of safety? Well, look back a couple of decades, you know, the CIA actually began to look into the issue of outsourcing intelligence to the private sector back in the early 1990s. Um, after 9-11, uh, Congress dramatically increased funding to uh, hire intelligence contractors. And your listeners may know that about 75% of such contracting work is done the government's intelligence work is done by outside contractors. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. Um, the Defense Intelligence Agency's Joint Intelligence Task Force Combating Terrorism grew from about 80 members to 400 in just a couple of years. And it became a very lucrative business. Uh, James Bamford, in his great book, The Shadow Factory, talks about how contractors thrive off NSA outsourcing of surveillance. So what's happened is we've gotten data aggregators into the business, and at the same time we had those smartphones coming into our lives. Mm -hmm. We also had the advent of social media, which in a way perfected um, the ability to attract all of our personal information as Americans willingly give it up on sites without really understanding the repercussions. And I think that what one of our problems is that we are suffering from digital illiteracy. We had technology really do some wonderful things in the period of two decades, but we haven't kept up in educating people about the risks of not protecting their data and uh, not really understanding how much data is being collected uh, by Facebook and by all the other social media platforms and apps that we willingly load onto our phones to make our lives more convenient and fun.
because it is fun. It is fun. It's a double-edged sword, though, Heidi. On one hand, it is fun. It's It gives us a lot of information. On the other hand, what happens if we had no surveillance at all? What are the dangers there? Well, you know, I think the point has to be made first. We are not safer as a nation because of the surveillance. And that is a myth that people have to understand. There have been a lot of studies. I think even um, uh, the um, a military academy came out with a study a few years ago. They looked at, you know, terrorist-related arrests. Many of them were unfounded. They didn't lead to any uh, valid perse- uh, prosecutions of individuals. And so um, I think that we've we also don't realize the extent to which corporations were profiting to the tune of billions of dollars off of our data, reselling it, uh, co- coming up with digital profiles about us, marketing to us, then making more money off of it. Um, when we really look at how we are not, not only not safer, but we are less free because we are being targeted monitored in many cases we see a new rash for example of anti-protest laws and we know that years ago all sorts of surveillance devices including drones were deployed against you know activists taking to the streets to protest and really an american tradition black lives matter was infiltrated monitored occupy was infiltrated monitored shut by shut down by the Department of Homeland Security. And now we're seeing rashes of laws in many states that um, let let motorists driving into uh, uh, legitimate legal protests get off scot-free. If they kill someone, what I think we're seeing is suppression of dissent, very American, long-cherished values, curtailments of First Amendment freedoms, um, but with no commensurate value in terms of legitimate uh, intelligence to law enforcement agencies. And to answer your question, I kind of think we need to go back to sort of old-fashioned gumshoe detective work and policing um, that we had that was working pretty well your listeners may recall after COINTELPRO and unlawful spying on Americans in the 70s, uh, we had 1975, the church committee looking into how unlawful spying and disruption was going on to peace groups, Martin Luther King, religious mm-hmm. groups, and they put limits on what the FBI could do. I think we need to go back a bit pull back on some of this electronic monitoring that's so invasive and not keeping us safer and just rely on how we did things before preemptive policing was introduced. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. 
Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What would police agencies say about what you talk about today, in your opinion? Unfortunately, I think they, too, have fallen for the rhetoric that the government gave to us after the 9-11 attacks, where basically uh, it instilled fear in all of the citizens in this country, most of them, uh, most of the media outlets, and uh, provided huge funding and subsidies to ratchet up local law enforcement departments. Many of them, which sorely needed the money, were able to buy new equipment, you know, enlarge their capacities. But I think that the problem is we've made this machine so big that I think, you know, most law enforcement agencies have gotten used to this new paradigm. There are some who've been brave enough, for example, to stand up to ICE or other organizations who have asked them to do really intrusive surveillance, and they've said, we're not going to do that. So I think 
um, there needs to be more across-the-board education about perhaps our resources could be better deployed uh, pursuing, you know, more uh, legitimate leads in cases and not, for example, going after various communities just because we've stigmatized them. You know, in 2005, the FBI labeled uh, animal rights activists, environmental activists, the number one top domestic terrorist threat. That's because some of the extreme factions of these groups, again, groups that have been protesting and making some successful changes to policies, Mm -hmm. you know, of how corporations treated the environment or animals. Um, A few were engaging in property damage, but the FBI started calling that terrorism. And I think we've seen that term terrorism exploited. I think we need to go back a bit and really look at, well, who are the real terrorists? We have a big problem with white supremacist violence in this country, other legitimate forms of violence that can be just arrested after they occur, try to stay on top of them, but not vilify communities where only a few people may be breaking the law, but you really stigmatize some legitimate social movement. So what would your preference, Heidi, be? How would you handle this situation? I would stop creating new laws, um, new terrorist laws, even, I'll tell you, because I think we can't ignore, along with the safety and public safety part of why we allegedly have this surveillance apparatus, let's face it. It's mostly to profit corporations who are making so much money off of our data. We have a a children's uh, data protection law, for example, that's being considered. It's called the Kids Online Safety Act. And, you know, it sounds good in theory. Protect our kids. Data aggregators are targeting them from an early age. But what it would do is it would hold platforms, Internet platforms, responsible for certain harms that might occur. So if a teenager went onto a site for anorexia and, you know, continued to hurt herself, for example, they would be liable. So what they would end up doing is they'd have to create online systems to find out the age of users, but that would apply to all users. That would gather more of our data. And the second thing is they'd have to censor a lot of content. And that would also hurt not just kids, but everyone. So I think that we have to educate legislators really about how technology works. And instead of creating new laws, including terrorist laws for online acts um, that may be harmful, arrest the offenders. We already have laws on the books that can be used to go after uh, criminal actions. But don't create new laws that are then going to hurt everyone uh, by not being well thought out and informed. And I think we have a big lag in how legislators, policymakers don't understand technology and the surveillance state. And so they're not adequately addressing it. I mean, we have nine states in this country that have data privacy laws. California has a really strong one. 
Every state needs to have them. We need to start looking at privacy uh, as going hand-in-hand with national security. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts.